Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I am Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode, we had a guest, our first guest, actually, which also happens to be your brother and business <laughs> partner, Samuel Timothy, who works with a lot of our clients in a variety of industries, but primarily in the B2B space. And so we thought we'd covered something that uh, was right up his alley. And so the topic of today's podcast was ugly brand building. Uh, and it's all about how to build brand awareness and loyalty in unsexy industries. So if you're in manufacturing space or something industrial, maybe you're an engineering company or work in some sort of technical consulting, or maybe you work in the, let's say, medical device field, again, not necessarily what we would think of as a, a sexy industry, then I think you'll enjoy this podcast. All right, Taylor. So today's episode, we're talking about how to build awareness, brand awareness and loyalty in unsexy industries, right? So this is a very interesting topic. And we have a special guest in the studio. Yeah, Want to introduce him? Absolutely. So today we have Samuel Timothy, who's actually a member of our team as well here at 1IMS. He's on our senior leadership team and works a lot in the B2B sector, what we would refer to as unsexy industries. So Sam, before we, we jump in, why don't you kind of give a brief introduction about yourself and, you know, the type of clients that you work with? Most certainly. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So actually one of the strategy members in our strategy team, we work mostly with a lot of B2B companies um, in the industry of manufacturing sector and then technology and some professional services space. And in the industry of manufacturing sector, there's a lot of businesses uh, that are operating in very unsexy more of an unsexy market, I right. suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about, you know, how do you build a brand for, you know, whatever clients are looking for in any industry, right? You want to build awareness, you want to build loyalty. And it's something that we hear a lot from these, you know, unsexy industries. Well, that's not how our industry works, right? They're, they're just looking for somebody to do the job, looking for the lowest cost or the fastest turnaround time. Nobody knows, you know, who I am. And what we've been able to do is actually help build that awareness. And ultimately, whenever you have good brand awareness, you provide a good service and a great experience, you're going to build that customer loyalty, which is where you're really going to see that long-term sustainable growth. So Sam, I know you had some tactics that you wanted to cover and some, I guess, specifics on how companies in the B2B space, whether you're in manufacturing or in some sort of technical consulting, could be an engineering firm, or maybe you manufacture a medical device, Something that, you know, is not a, you know, an Apple or a Nike or something along those lines where you can make these, you know, nice creative commercials and appeal to the masses that you typically think of when you think of marketing, right? Uh, we want to get into the nitty gritty details of how an actual B2B brand in one of these spaces can go about uh, building awareness. Most certainly, I think it all can be kind of organized under one category that I would call more of building thought leadership, becoming an industry leader by creating and sharing content in that specific vertical that you're in. Uh, your ideal customer profiles across the web, Globe is looking for experts to help them solve their business challenges. And this is an opportunity for you to make sure that you shine your knowledge, shine your expertise, and then make that your expertise be a resource for them in terms of solving their business challenges that they have. So becoming a thought leader is probably one of the ways that I would say you can increase your brand awareness and also increase loyalty to your brand. So what does that mean when we say, you know, become a thought leader? How, do, how does one position themselves as a thought leader? 
Yeah. And obviously there's a lot that goes into building that thought leadership. Um, there's definitely several, several different tactics that we can utilize. And one of the ways that we help our customers would be through what we call digital PR. Mm-hmm. What that means is essentially trying to get their uh, subject matter experts within that organization, whether it be their leadership team or key engineers or whoever it might be, has the knowledge about the product or services that they offer. And then getting them to publish industry publications, you know, industry journals and things of that nature, whether it be very much research-driven content or something about a trend that's happening in that space and getting that uh, piece of content created and then published on publications that are being frequented by their end customers or consumers. Right. And with every digital strategy, we always want to look at where our potential clients, you know, hanging out, right? And so if it is by definition, let's say an unsexy industry, uh, then I think we could assume it's more of a technical industry. And if there is, a, you know, a technical aspect to the industry, whoever your potential audience is, is going to be doing some sort of a research. They have some problem that they're trying to solve. And there are industry publications, industry specific directories that exist. And so I think digital PR is a great example of, okay, let's get our key leaders, senior leadership team written about, position them as a thought leader. They're talking about industry changes, trends, maybe something unique that they did within the organization, which gets in front of that audience, drives some traffic, builds some brand awareness, and also has some ancillary benefits like uh, improving our our rankings and search engines. Uh, So that's a great first tip. What else can we do from a a thought leadership perspective? Yeah, and I think uh, when you think about it's any form of content that you can create to, to really display your knowledge about a particular subject, right? So think about any form of content that you can produce in that space. For example, we're obviously on a podcast today talking about, you know, specifically what can a business in an unsexy industry can do to increase brand awareness and, and reach more customers as well as increase loyalty. And so any form of content that this specific industry or this specific business can utilize to reach their audience is a way to do so, right? So I think if you think about different kind of content mediums, video is probably one of the best ways to do that, especially in an industry which is super technical or uh, super complicated. Concepts are so hard to explain. Maybe written language alone or some diagrams or illustrations may not do justice in explaining that concept. Maybe videos with some animations or an actual engineer talking about a specific concept with uh, some explanation of how certain things work or the process works would be a great way to establish their credibility and as well as their knowledge about that space. Right. And, you know, some pushback that, you know, you may get from a, a business like that, right, is that, again, we can't make a commercial or an exciting video, which is fine. You know, we see that the way that people are consuming content is leaning towards video. So there's a lot of content that you can make, even though it's technical content, it's not going to be a a viral video or anything along those lines. But what it is going to do is there is going to be somebody out there that has a question. They're trying to figure out if it's possible to, you know, solve this problem or does somebody have this capability? And it gives you the opportunity to speak directly to them. And it also gives them an opportunity to kind of see a person, see a face behind the brand, see the process. So I think it's even more important if you are in an unsexy industry to create multiple formats of content aside from just text, because especially if it's, you know, what you would say is something that's boring or a little bit mundane, it's less likely that someone's going to read through all of that, right? So if you have a different way, a different format to actually communicate that message, then video is a great way to do that. Most certainly. And I've seen a good example of this in news uh, with an industry 
specifically in folding carton, and they make basically cardboard boxes and things of that nature. But what they've done is partner with another company who actually manufactures um, uh, basically drum sets. Mm -hmm. And what they've done was using cardboard boxes to really make an actual drum set. And then they had a professional drummer come and play on that drum set and created a YouTube video, which gave exposure to both brands. One was actually a manufacturer of cartons. Mm -hmm. The other one was a manufacturer of drum sets. And then ultimately that actually had a ton of view on YouTube. We're talking into the hundreds and thousands of views. And here, an example of a, an, an, an unsexy business, obviously, right. leveraging videos. to packaging. Exactly, yeah. using that. And would, would that have an impact on their, direct impact on their business? Maybe hard to tell, but I'm sure hundreds of people saw that and they took a note of it and they had some pictures of the company and their building, kind of scale of that organization. And so they got a little behind the scene of how massive of an organization that is. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, at the very least, it was effective in capturing our attention. Mm -hmm. Most certainly. All right. So I know before, you know, sort of off air here, you were talking about the idea of creating a tool or creating some sort of, a, I guess, a tactical item on the website that would provide value as a way to, of course, drive traffic, but also position yourself as a thought leader. So can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some examples of, of what type of tools these companies could create? Most certainly. So one particular example would be um, all these companies have very sophisticated estimating process or request a quote process. And sometimes it requires CAD drawing. Sometimes it requires, you know, specific tools to actually measure the measure the products that they're trying to manufacture, things of that nature. So in one particular case, what we've done for this company that does injection molding, we've created a very visual estimating request form where they had different type of product categories, different type of material choices, different type of dimensions, and then obviously the different quantity breaks that they can request. And then made that request quote process into a visual process made it easy for someone to actually go through that process to submit that form. And it wasn't as cumbersome as it was before. Before that website was asking for almost 20 or 30 different fields to be completed, as well as a CAD drawing to be uploaded before they can ask for a quote, which made that bounce rate on that website extremely high. And most people were dropping way before they ever submitted that form. So by making that process super visual and then also super convenient for someone who is going through that process of requesting a code, they increased the conversion rate and also was much more, uh, much more of a, a better experience for the user when they were actually engaging with, with that business. Mm -hmm. Sort of a two birds with one stone there because you are providing more value, but you're also making it a, a little bit easier to actually check out, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love the idea of using tools as a lead generation. And you see it a lot in B2C space, things like mortgage calculators or something along those lines mm -hmm. uh, is a great way. So if you can you know, look at your business and look at your ideal customer profile, look at your personas. And if there's something that you can create, some sort of a tool or asset that will be valuable to them, that is exactly what we mean when we say thought leadership, because then you are the brand that is providing them all of these tools in order for them to do their job. That when it comes time that they do need assistance, they do need help, whether they're reaching out to you or you're reaching out to them, they're going to know who you are and they're going to already have that familiarity with your brand. Yeah, one example that most people could be more familiar with would be like a product configurator. So if you have a very customizable uh, equipment or some sort of a, um, a part, and then giving them the giving the customer the ability to kind of configure that product virtually, and then be able to request a code. So mm -hmm. they can kind of see what the different options are, 
and then maybe even see a finished piece of what that might look like, depending on what they add or subtract from that finished equipment, and then essentially ask for a quote. So, and basically also giving a lot more information to the, the company or the customer for them to be able to ultimately give them an, uh, an accurate estimate. What about interactive content? So a quiz or something like that on the client's website? Yeah, most certainly. Some of those uh, interactive content can be extremely useful in terms of self-qualifying prospect that's on the website. And oftentimes, these companies that are providing very complicated solutions might have a lot of required information gathered before they could even uh, decide if they can service that customer. So interactive content is extremely useful if you want to leverage those things uh, to self-qualify before they even submit a form or even provide as much information to make that the end salesperson or the end engineer to have a much better information about what that particular prospect is looking for. Yeah, I like the idea of the interactive. And uh, I know one of the other strategies that we've implemented is interactive in a different way, essentially implementing some sort of a virtual virtual reality or animation uh, into the process. Mm -hmm. Again, following that same theme that we can assume that these types of industries are more technical, maybe a little bit more boring, then a lot of times they're a little bit harder to understand. So sometimes what we'll do is even take it a step further than a, a normal video and looking at some sort of a 3D rendering or animated video that maybe explains a process, explains, you know, theoretically as well as, you know, into the details about how a particular outcome is performed or how a, let's say it's a, a procedure. procedure, let's say we're talking about a medical device manufacturer, for example, right? Rather than just have a bunch of text about here's how we, the materials that we use and here's how it works. We can actually have an interactive video, whether that's VR or whether that's an animated video that shows of course, the process of, of how we develop it, but most importantly, what is the outcome? So here's how this fits within, you know, the overall procedure. Here's the benefits of it. Here's how you can see in comparison to the size of, you know, the arm or the leg or the knee, what this looks like going into the patient, how you would go about, you know, performing the surgery, something that is is more animated, uh, a little more interactive. And again, uh, positioning yourself as a thought leader as something unique that um, they're not going to see from others in that space. Yeah, and you go in from mostly just a, a static image or a 2D to almost 3D experience because you can almost visualize of how a certain, let's say, a surgery or something would take place and how a certain part or something would go into your human body. Yeah. Uh, so it's extremely useful for training as well as acquiring new customers as well. Right. And we've seen that, you know, companies like selling, again, something not necessarily in a sexy industry, but like an office furniture or something like that. And you have those, you know, renderings and the ability on their website to upload a, a picture of your office and actually see what it looks like with the the table there, right. with the you know the office furniture, the desk, whatever that may be. If you want to put a couch, they can show you how it looks, what it looks like, and compare to the desk that you already have in terms of size. I think you're going to see that trend continue. Uh, and again, when we talk about thought leadership, if you can get ahead of that and implement that somehow into your business. Um, then you're inherently going to stand out uh, from the pack. Yeah, I mean, B2C is ahead of the game on that. Yep. We always say that. Yeah, Wayfair has that app. If you download it, you can take a picture. You can go to a specific product and then you can live visualize yep. how it will look in the corner of your room right. and, and decide if you want to buy that particular product. Exactly, yeah. VR, AR, um, I think we're going to continue to see more of that. So any way that you can implement that into your B2B strategy is, is going to be important. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. 
Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right but it was just poor execution i'll tell you what head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms talk to one of our consultants that's all we do we talk to business owners day in and day out share with us your challenges and see if we're fit right see if we can find you a solution to your growing pains you know our hope here at one ims and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right, so thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. One other idea that you know, is not necessarily digital, but if we're following the same theme of how do we become a thought leader, what about the idea of hosting events, putting on events? Of course, you, you may want to attend trade shows. That's a great way, but if you really wanted to become the thought leader in the space, how about the idea of, of actually creating your own event for that particular industry? And you would be, of course, the premium sponsor. Yeah, most certainly. And when we are talking with our customers, oftentimes one of the common objections that we're hearing about the events is that they're going to some of the old trade shows and they're not as well attended as they used to. Um, and they're spending you know, the same amount or if not more in terms of going and presenting or exhibiting at these events, but they're not getting the type of ROI they were used to. So in terms of hosting your events, obviously, it's a little bit more of a financial endeavor. It's going to require a lot more. But I think you have much better captive audience that you can reach. And then you can make sure that you have more control in terms of the, the content that you're going to be sharing. And then you can also turn that content into uh, assets that you can you leverage in the future in terms of whether using on your website or on other YouTube channels or any of the other formats that you can use. And then also, it's an opportunity for you to feature your customers and their experiences and give them a platform to share how your solutions have helped them. And then by doing that, you can encourage other prospective customers who are on the border of on the fence about whether to go forward with you. And they can have a firsthand uh, experience of learning how other people have uh, used your solutions or technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you talk about these industries, these spaces, there's a little bit of apprehension to move into the digital space. And almost all of them are still going to trade shows or traditional events, industry-specific events. Most of the time, there's one major national or global conference that everybody goes to. But I think the idea of hosting their own event, for whatever reason, is uh, never kind of crossed their mind. But when you look at the people who are hosting the event, you look at the, the keynote speakers, there's this you know, built-in idea of that these people, these person knows a lot about what they're talking about, or they are a leader in the space, um, or maybe even that they're larger than they, they even are. Uh, and I think if you can leverage that for your own business and your own brand, and, you know, what better way to, you know, curate this event of potential prospects and vendors and, you know, this whole ecosystem that you're looking for, then put on an event that will be valuable to all of them. You're engaging with them all the way leading up to the event because you're selling them tickets or selling them event space. You're engaging with them at the event. They're seeing your, you know, messaging all over the place. They see your brand, your lanyard. They know the event is put on by you. You have the keynote speaker where your you know, CEO or you know, lead uh, engineer or whoever is speaking, and then you're engaging with them after the event. So 
when you talk about how do we build brand awareness, would you rather pay to go attend a trade show, gather a bunch of business cards and hope that somebody remembers you at the end of it? Or would you rather put on an event, control who's going to actually be there, make sure that it's you know beneficial to you, and then ultimately, of course, valuable to all of the attendees? Yeah, most certainly the companies that are really doing this well is in the technology space. There's a lot of you know recognizable brands that are doing it extremely well. And some of them are not even extremely large right. uh, tech companies, but they've just uh, figured out that this is a great way to build a big user base and also uh, build a good followership from uh, future customers as well. I'd say speaking of technology companies, they do a lot of virtual events as well. Right. And that's just another way that you can do it exactly the same way, live, but virtual. Yeah, that's a great point. I think if that seems overwhelming, look at a virtual event, look at local events. I mean, even, you know, down to the, the local chamber of commerce or where, whatever that may be. Most industries will have industry-specific events uh, and directories, and then you also have the local businesses. And if you think of, hey, we're, you know, we work, we are headquarters in Chicago. There's a lot of manufacturing companies there. A lot of our clients are clients of each other. So going to those type of events, you know, showing our faces or you know providing some sort of support is a great way for us to build that sort of brand awareness and loyalty. Uh, and there's no reason that the manufacturing companies themselves shouldn't be able to do that. So when we talk about awareness, you can be very specific, right? We don't have to talk about building a global brand. We want to have a well-known brand to the people who matter to us. And I think that's another way, like you said, virtual events or you know smaller local events uh, is an inexpensive, low-risk way to make that happen. And sometimes the addressable market for some of these companies aren't large at, at all. So they might have possibly 200 companies they can do business with. And it's an easy way to invite those people if you have a very something that's specifically valuable to those specific customer base. And it will be a no-brainer for them to join those, whether it be virtual or actually a, a physical event. Sure. So let's just kind of recap here. We talk about, okay, how do you build brand awareness? How do we build customer loyalty? How do we position ourselves as an authority in the space in our industry? You know, your suggestion is position yourself as a thought leader. And in order to do that, we had a you know a bunch of great ideas, everything from getting posted in digital publications to creating your own tools for your website, any kind of video content that is educational as well as interactive, VR, animated video, augmented reality. And then we talked about the idea of events or uh, anything along those lines. Of course, you have more traditional, I say traditional, but it's still all digital, right? The easiest ways to kind of create those, that content is create some sort of a spec sheet or, uh, you know, industry analysis or conglomeration or, you know, sort of compilation of the industry analysis, whatever that may be, uh, put that out in an ebook, a downloadable asset, uh, talk about it on a podcast, whatever that may be. But I think probably the most important aspect of all this, which I want to make sure that we cover is how do we get visibility to this content, right? So we're, we're creating all these different, you know, unique ideas, tools, technologies, events, podcasts, you know, whatever that may be. How do we promote it? Yeah, most certainly. I think if you look at, you know, in the movie industry or any of those uh, industries that create a ton of content, they would spend, you know, five, you know, seven dollars to create. And and sometimes it was other way around. They'll spend three dollars to create, but seven dollars to promote it. So in most instances today, most people are you know super thrilled about creating content, but they're doing very little in terms of promoting that content. So I think one of the things that these industries need to really realize is not enough to just go spend money to create a a virtual reality experience for their customers, but they also have to figure out how do we make sure their ideal customers are going to get their eyeballs on them, right? And figuring out how do you 
where where do they congregate for information? How do we get this information in front of them? And how do we make sure that they're engaging with that uh, particular tool or resource or content that you put together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if we feel that it's valuable enough and important enough to spend energy and resources to create, uh, then like you said, we need to spend 10 times as many resources or 10 times as much time to actually promote that. Uh, because if it was important enough to make the video, then right. we believe that somebody should see it, right? And so I think far too often we see this, well, let's just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. It's great to create all of that assets and all that firepower, essentially. But if you don't put any juice behind it, then no one's ever going to see it. So, I mean, I think you look at the type of content you're creating, whether that's text, whether that's visual in terms of like a static, you know, infographic or ebook or something along those lines. And then the other idea is, you know, something that is, you know, video or, you know, audio or something along those lines. Depending on the format, look at how competitors are doing it. How you mentioned, Solomon, how does the, the consumer industry and the B2C side, how are they promoting that type of content and follow that that framework? So if it is text-based or it's within a platform um, that allows for, let's say, search engines or anything along those lines, you can optimize that content. So, you know, that's that would be Google, that would be YouTube. If it's something like a podcast, there are platforms out there that, that you can use to get the, that pop, that uh, podcast actually you know syndicated. And then, of course, with anything else, and along with those, you can always pay for promotion, right? So leveraging social media channels, Google, Google Display Network, uh, other third-party syndications, uh, you can look at industry-specific publications and look at you know paying to actually promote something of value rather than paying for just uh, an ad or a display ad that you know introduces, right? Whenever we hear the idea of brand awareness, a lot of times people think it's just plastering your brand name and your messaging and your logos and colors all over the place. But we've seen in the data has shown that it's more effective if you have something valuable behind that. So leverage those same outlets, but promote these content assets that we're suggesting that, that you should create. Yeah, and uh, there is a compounding effect as well, right? So every time your prospective customers are seeing your content or your resources or tools in multiple different places, they start recognizing your brand, they start trusting your brand, and then that trust will lead to when it's time for them to actually choose a partner in terms of doing whatever the uh, buying whatever the product or service is, it's only natural for them to just decide because they trust that company who actually provided them the most amount of value throughout that that buyer's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the earlier on in that process that you can catch them and provide value to them, the more likely you are to have a one-on-one conversation and you know sell them essentially before they are all the way to the end of you know looking at quotes from multiple different companies and you know you're just a, you know one proposal in a stack of you know quotes. If you can catch them earlier on in the process and maybe even explain to them that they do have a problem and that you know your solution would, would be the best solution to fix that problem, again, I think you're going to have a better chance of retaining them as a customer. Yeah, and oftentimes, like engineers, they're more prone to like bookmark certain resources and tools and things of that nature. And if you can become that go-to place where people find the most value or most helpful resources, and then it's just super simple for them to to do business with you as well in the future. Which is they for those brands, right? So they're taking advantage of all, say, digital PR and thought leadership. It's a huge reputation thing for them. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, they're going to be associated with every industry, journal, publication, event, you know, trade show there is. And they're associated with them. And that just helps them win business just by being there. Right. Yeah. I look at those as basically... Uh interchangeable, right? I mean, I think 
your reputation is your brand. Your brand is your reputation, <laughs> right? And this idea of, and I think it comes down to a personal level too. I think we're seeing a bigger increase in personal brand building, uh, which has always been there, but now it's just, you're doing it from a digital standpoint and it can have a much further reach because your personal brand has always been your reputation, right? People do business with people that they know and that they trust. And, you know, that old saying that your reputation precedes you, right? Want to make sure that that's preceding you in uh, a positive light in a positive manner. And the same thing with, you know, building a brand. You want people to not only know who you are, but you want people to know who you are for good reasons. And that's why all those ideas that you had, Sam, in terms of providing value is, I believe, the best way to make that happen because you don't want to be known for the, you know, annoying commercials that you make, or you don't want to be known for sending out cold emails that spam, or you certainly don't want to be known for, you know, maybe the one time you had a bad customer experience, and that's the only reputation piece or information that's out there across the internet. So be a little proactive with that and building up your reputation and your brand through some of these tactic, tactics and strategies. Yeah. And then I guess one thing that I would just want to share would be like oftentimes, you know, business, especially marketers and business leaders have this idea that, hey, every dollar I spend immediately need to return me $2 or $5. And sometimes these things that we're recommending may not have an immediate ROI, but it has a long-term value. It's almost like a retirement fund. You're investing into something that is going to yield a greater return in the long run. And you may not see something quickly returning back to you as ROI. Yeah, that's a great point. For whatever reason, because we can track everything when it comes to digital, there is a little bit of you know apprehension again to invest into something that is untrackable. And brand awareness is something that is difficult to measure. There are ways that you can kind of look at trends and you know basically do people know who we are and what kind of thoughts and ideas do people and companies have about us. But in general, it's this intangible idea of hey, we're an authority or, you know, we have X amount of brand awareness. You can't quantify it. So what you're suggesting is don't necessarily worry about quantifying it. We know it works. We know that it works to some magnitude. We don't know exactly how, uh, and we don't know exactly when it's going to come into play. But there's a lot of data and stats to support that, that it does have an impact and that, you know, it takes seven touches or something like that, like you said, in order for somebody to actually remember your brand and there's a psychological aspect of it as well, as well that can be studied. But I think that's an important point to make that changing that mindset that just because we're in the B2B space or we're not in a you know a sexy industry that it doesn't matter for us, it's not going to impact our sales cycle, or our customers, is kind of ridiculous because, again, you're selling to a person at the end of the day. Someone has to make that decision, whether that decision based on you know logic or based on emotions or reason or a combination of, of all three you're going to have a better chance of closing that deal or even giving yourself an opportunity if you're positioning yourself as a thought leader and building that brand and that reputation. And if you don't have brand awareness, they wouldn't even know you do what you do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very possible that you know you might not know the possible impact because you don't have any opportunities at this point through that the way that business works. I mean, we hear a lot, right? Well, my business works on you know, basically all through referrals. And, you know, we've been in business for, you know, 30 years. So that's how people know about us. That's exactly what we're talking about. That is the effectiveness of building your brand awareness is that you have provided such a good service that people went and told other people, maybe unsolicited or even solicited about you as an organization and recommended you. So 
if we can just extend that and give you more opportunities and get in front of more people, that's only going to accelerate the growth. Absolutely. Any uh, final thoughts, guys? Sam, give us your final thought. How do we wrap this up here? Yeah. And I think, you know, one recommendation that I would have as a closing thought would be like, hey, regardless of what you provide as a product or service, and if you just so happen to be in an industry that doesn't, you know, have a product or service super sexy, don't let that hold you back from becoming a thought leader in that space. Create good quality content, invest into building tools, experiment with the new technology and things that's available in terms of virtual reality or anything like that. Think about ways that you can be a resource for your end customer. Figure out how you can add value and it will go a long way in terms of building your top leadership, building your brand awareness, and ultimately winning some loyal customers in the process. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's all for today and we'll see you next time. Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS, helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One world, one web, one IMS.